This show is brought to you by Whatever You Say Productions, starting conversations since 2018. Welcome and welcome back to <laughs> new episode of Microscope. I'm your host, Mike, and this is our other host, Kev. Yo. Kevin. 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 <laughs> Kevin. Let's do Kevin. Let's stick it stick it with it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like most of our episodes start with Kevin and I talking about something totally unrelated. But I think in this episode, unrelated topics is something we want to talk about. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. Kevin was asking me how the struggle is real. And... What I'm doing currently is a very struggling and stressful and honestly idiotic and stupid and dumb and I'm going to let out all the emotions. Utter waste um, of time from the complete, perspective of all individuals involved. Yeah, uh, for the I'm, folks at home, this <clears throat> is an experience every PhD student goes through called the comprehensive exams. And that's not even really a good name for it because it is neither comprehensive nor really an exam like you would take as an undergraduate. Yeah. Um, no, I'm so let me tell you a little bit about my exam and it, it essentially has four different parts to it. The first being I need to write a 15 page proposal on research that I'd like to do but the caveat is the research cannot be on what I'm currently studying. And this is why we say this is a waste of time. It's this like is. you're putting all this effort, like mind you folks, this is a three to six month endeavor for something that you're just going to present to um, your um, graduate committee, which is essentially a group of four professors who at the end of the day will say, yes, you got your PhD or no, you didn't meet all the criteria and therefore try again. Um, you try have to again. essentially, <laughs> they give you another try, right? Not like you have put a full reset on it, but they give you another try at at least defending your, your shit. Um, but they will essentially in the, in the context of the comprehensive exam, you will present this again, 15 page paper, 40 minute presentation on something that's not your own work. And now from their perspective, they also have to read and digest all this shit. So it's taking up their time as well. Uh, so it culminates in like a three or four hour meeting that nobody wants to be at. Nobody wants to like, wait three or four hours. Mine's two and a half. Okay. It felt like three or four hours. Um, especially I, I during the deliberation. Yeah. Yeah, oh, especially when you leave the room and they deliberate amongst themselves. Probably one of the more stressful moments, like in a PhD. Uh, I'm gonna career. be pacing around like a, like a. Oh, it was miserable. Yeah, yeah. They were quick for mine, at least. It just felt like <laughs> it took an hour. It just took forever. Yeah, um, but I would wish this upon nobody, and I would never want to repeat this again in my life. Uh, so just to give y'all a little bit of context about what Mike is in the middle of right fucking now. Yeah. It's just <clears throat> utter misery from beginning to end. I, you know what? It's misery 
not uh, I, I feel not like productive misery, which is it's not productive by definition misery. not miserable. It's just so annoying because on top of like needing to basically become an expert and be able to present on something that you are not like you don't want to, you know, stuff that you're not actually going to do. So not only do you need to become an expert in that, but also they could ask you a question on like anything related to micro molecular or like biochemistry, Absolutely. which, and it, it's, I, so I was having this conversation actually with someone in my lab earlier about how I think when push comes to shove and I really like look back or when I, when I step back and come at it from a very logical standpoint, I'm probably going to pass. You know, like I've spent almost two months studying and writing this. There's only so much I can do to become any more of an expert. You know what I'm saying? But it's just, it's, it's I mean, I also have really bad anxiety. Like I have clinical I'm like clinically been clinically diagnosed as having high anxiety. Um, and so like, it's just an added pressure of just constantly thinking to myself that I'm uh, not, it's what, Oh, we were talking about this last week. What is it called? The imposter imposter syndrome. syndrome. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, and mind you, everyone, this is not like he's just working on this this semester. This is on top of the PhD student work that you're already doing. It's really just... Well, I kind of told my advisor to, that I wasn't going to do anything else. Yeah, that's, that's a good idea. It ends up, whether that's ever communicated or not, that's what ends up happening because there's only so many hours in a day is like the, the exactly. limit you run up against in yeah. this case. And- you know, honestly, I feel like I'm sitting here complaining and playing myself a little violin, which I'm not. I'm, I'm, I mean, I know I'm capable of doing this. This is what I signed up to do. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get through it. It's just, it's just a lot of stress. It just sucks. On one There's person. just no way around yeah. that. It just sucks. Yeah. yeah. But on and the point of I, passing, the really big key thing is for you to not pass will create even more work for the people who decide whether you pass or not. Um, well, and these are people Kevin, who are already you're making incredibly it seem, busy. <laughs> <laughs> you're making it seem like me passing is for other people not to do work. It has nothing to do with my capabilities as a scientist. Ah, in, but thank in, you, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> in a pragmatic sense, on their, when they're sitting there with their pen ready to sign your shit off, like that, that's absolutely going through their mind to some degree. Like you got to uh, really oh, yeah, no, I would. fuck it up to not pass. Yeah, I, I, I think that's what I've, you know, with with hours before I take my exam, um, I've, I've come to the realization of like, there's only so much I could do. Let's make it happen, you know? There I you mean, yeah. so I, 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 I haven't like looked at my presentation or looked at any of the material at all today. I decided to take a break today that's so basically key. take care of all my take care of all my plants that are dying they they all look so <laughs> sad my because you've been doing cops they're dying because i've been I, because i've been avoiding them i know my peace lily it's it's a beautiful peace lily it's variegated and it's like a textured leaves 
it like droops when like the top of the soil isn't super moist and it's been drooping for like the past couple of days and it's in my room so i like wake up to it i'm like sorry buddy but he's looking oh. better now because i watered him earlier today boom oh. okay but let i think let's end this because yeah, there's only so much to say. Let's, Just to give the folks some There's background. only so much to say. Sorry we've yeah. been away for a little bit, but this is why. And if you went through this, I, I wish no one to ever go through this, but I know if you go to a PhD program, this is waiting for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And I think, you know what? If you get into a PhD program, you're capable of doing it. It's, it's honestly more of a mind game, in a sense, of your ability to become an expert and you know what like it takes some pushing and shoving to become an expert in a field which is what you and i are training to become mm -hmm. so it's like a mini case yes of your ability it's like a exactly exactly um um i think now that i'm at the tail end of it i'm like seeing the light while also just like oh god damn it you know sometimes i'm starting therapy off uh total side note I'm no, excited about it. that. Let it go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I what just like what the fuck is going on in the world on top of me already dealing with all of this? You know, like Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. We we I'm just sure spent the past <laughs> we spent it, way too long complaining it was necessary. about it was a necessary context it was providing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. But I heard so, you had but some Kevin, good news. <laughs> do I have good news? Yeah. You and our What's colleague. What's the good news? Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so I am days away from becoming a second author on a publication. Woo. I'm. Woo. Yeah. <clears throat> it's been accepted and we just need to. Well, okay. I think. We need to send back the edits to the reviewers, and then I think it'll be published. Boom. So I'll look forward to that. So For the record, though, minor revisions. Accepted with minor revisions. Yeah. Great. That's I will nice say. Yeah. I will say though, and hopefully, Doctor Yu will not hear this. Uh, she probably will. Shouts she out to Doctor Yu. I forgot we can call her Doctor. <laughs> but for the, what up, Doc? <laughs> but on record, she is first author. So the figure design and the writing was all her. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's the point of first authorship. So for those that's who don't know out there. When you read a scientific paper and you look at the list of authors, that list is in an order. Okay, it's really weird, especially in biology. It's in an order of descending contribution to the manuscript, essentially. So yeah. the first author you read when you say that's a first, I have a first author paper is that individual more or less conceived the study and performed most of the main parts of it, as well as writing the actual manuscript about that study. All the people in between the first and last author played supporting roles in any one of those parts of that process, be it they were exactly. actually on the bench, pipetting stuff, or be it they did data analysis, or be it maybe they just reviewed the manuscript and did you know editing on that. 
-hmm. So anywhere in there can be somewhere in the middle authors. And then the last author is the first author's boss or principal investigator generally. So pretty that's much gener- the person who paid for the study. Yeah, who got the yeah. grant money to enable the research. So exactly. when Mike says he's yeah. second author, he played a supporting role in Dr. Yu's research. Dr. Yu's work, yeah. Dr. Yu became a doctor four months ago, so we have yeah, to Yeah, so her. we're going to call her that and not call her by her actual name. Exactly. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about that. That's like, so on one hand, I'm stressed out. On the other hand, I've made massive strides. I will also have a first author paper come out, um, but that we have to send off to the reviewers after my uh, qualifying exam. So, Oh, yeah. Give it a couple weeks at least in between those, because that's another three to six month potentially life-deranging experience. <laughs> oh, of waiting for reviewers? Waiting for reviewers, getting reviewer comments back, responding to reviewer comments, sending your responses back, getting their tertiary comments. Dude, it it can go back and forth. Mine, that's how mine went. It did okay. take like yeah. six to eight months total. Fuck. And we're actually um, looking to like publish in like a pretty high impact journal. So god damn it. Uh, yeah. Where where are you looking at? Uh, science communications shit son um, or no nature communications yeah oh, the one with the like yellow and red squiggly line yes i know the one <laughs> yeah. do you know how yeah. many uh reviewers they have is it two or three uh i believe it's two. Oh, that's rough dude the two reviewers is rough because if one really? guy says Why? no it's a it's a hard no oh, like with three man. at least you have a majority well actually i might be lying i have no idea I just feel okay. like two is... Yeah, some of the higher impact ones go with two <laughs> just because it has to be so unilaterally agreed upon yeah. that your work is of sufficient quality. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I, you know, that'll be something you guys can hear about in the coming days. Yeah, Months, we'll, yeah we'll do uh, Mike's paper as a paper run. Oh my God, we should up. do my paper and I'll know yeah, all I'll about know. it. I can tell you, I can tell yes. you everything I've done. <laughs> Tell what that particular statistical analysis was performed. I'll tell you the story. So I went on a date, and (laughs) during the date, it went so bad. I decided to go home and make this figure, and that's why it's the color of red. Okay, oh, that's Um, beautiful. These are the little things, the little you know, (laughs) autobiographical details. Most of it's really just me being fucking lazy about doing something. Did I say that out loud? If only more scientists were, on on, record? were honest about that, <laughs> this I think the public conception would change a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's right, but it could be... Yeah, just, everything checks out, but there's always something more you can there's do. Always something at some else point, you, you just do, have to yeah. abandon things. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, I hear authors say that a lot. Like, oh, I wanted to do so much more with this novel, but it comes to a point where you've made you know, a thousand edits. Like, it's like that with scientific experiments as well. Yeah, I think it's also things with like a lot with a lot of life. Like you could only try and try for so long until you're finally just like, I'm done. Like, you know? Yep. Yep. That's what happened to me. I'm like, I know I could do five more things, take another year. Um, but then how am I, <laughs> then we run into another limiting factor, which is these journals that we submit the papers to have word or, and or page limits. Therefore, mm-hmm. you physically cannot fit 
more information into the manuscript because you can't write anymore exactly exactly yeah yeah all right so good kevin let's move on boom boom bam boom bam bada bing bada boom i'm gonna guess most folks at least heard about the paper we're gonna do a little bit of a run through today because this is way outside of both of our wheelhouses so we can't really dig into the the methods and what everything means precisely, but it's super duper exciting. So we wanted to bring it up. So Mike, where did you first read about, and what was the first sensational headline uh, you read about um, our paper today? Uh, So I was definitely on like, it must have been Facebook or something. And it was basically just like Whittington astronomer believes life exists on Venus. Yeah. <laughs> They've been just really milking the headlines. Yeah. They uh, really have really pushing the envelope. Um, interesting. But yeah, that's so we know how headlines, but are. everybody, everybody was just attention. like, there's life on Venus. There's life on Venus. There's life on Venus. And you know, I've, I've always wanted to be an astrobiologist. Like, I'm really into it. But I, like, knew off the bat, there's probably not life on Venus. Or at least the contents of this paper are not definitive evidence of life on Venus, at the very least. So it's great that we can get these kind of headlines from a paper whose actual title is Phosphine Gas in the Cloud Decks of Venus. So already in the title, no mention of life or biology. However, those articles that we all read in our pop science outlets were not completely misinformed. Um, the planetary conditions uh, that could account for the presence of this gas, um, basically in a nutshell, can't be totally explained by just geochemical processes. And I read, I hobbled my way through this paper. Again, this is outside of my wheelhouse for the most part, though it could be argued spectroscopy. uh, We use a lot in the biochemistry lab and spectroscopy is basically all astronomers have most of the time, just the light that is reaching us from these these distant objects. Um, And just background spectroscopy, Basically, when we take the word apart, spec, meaning light, like your spectacles, uh, like your glasses is another word uh, that uses that prefix. And then uh, spectroscopy, scopy, meaning to study. So basically studying the light and the quality of the light that is um, either being emitted by an astronomical object or being reflected by it and being reflected from the... uh, so this is Venus's clouds reflecting the sun's light. We can analyze that light reflected from Venus and find out what chemical compounds are in the clouds in Venus. Yeah, it, Kevin, thanks for that wonderful explanation about um, spectroscopy. Um, I do want to point out, though, and like kind of shift it back to how like there's life on Venus, you know, that headline. So phosphine is sort of what people have said is the odor of garlic. But in reality, phosphine like, should not have a smell. Um, but also, 
it's pretty confounded and even funnier because that smell you get from garlic is actually high amounts of sulfur in it. And so when you say Venus smells like garlic and our understanding of Venus is that it's pretty much 80 to 90% sulfuric acid. Like it rains sulfuric acid on Venus. So you're pretty much like, oh, okay. So there's a sulfur compound on the sulfur planet in our solar system. Wow. Who would have thought? That's so surprising. (laughs) (laughs) So while it is interesting that we don't actually know what caused or to our current understanding of the chemical processes that need to occur for phosphine to be found, we do not know of a natural way that that could occur in Venus without life. So I think that's like the exciting thing because whether or not life is actually there producing phosphine or there's this unknown chemical reaction that we haven't figured out. It's a win-win situation exactly. for the scientific There's community. Either... One, obviously, is a little bit sexier One's and a little bit more interesting. Way cooler. Yeah, of course. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking yeah, of, this... I... Yeah, sorry, go on. Go ahead. <clears throat> oh, no, mine was... I was getting off track. I was getting <laughs> really off track. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do best. Yeah, but yeah, going with that, it's really this paper is actually really solid science and that's why I think it got so much media attention or, or at least it deserves to get that much media attention, not because of the huge claim it's making, but because of how, uh, from a scientist standpoint, this is like, well, this is like a fine meal with all the fixings just put just right. So they actually started off just, um, trying to develop an instrumentation method that would allow for the detection of phosphine gas in the extreme small trace amounts that they predicted it would be in Venus's atmosphere uh, just from geochemical models. So when, let's say, climate scientists on Earth make uh, geochemical models, they're taking into account things like the chemistry of the atmosphere, the energy from the sun that is reaching the atmosphere, how that's interacting, all the way down to the ocean currents and volcanic activity, anything that the earth is doing and we can measure, we can build models about how those different values and variables relate to one another and how when one thing changes, Mm -hmm. this changes to a degree like this. And we can do that all the way down to what chemical compounds are being absorbed and released and transformed and all of that. So at the first point, in this paper, they were just trying to see, can we use our current telescopes to see if there is phosphine on, in the atmosphere of Venus, again, by using spectroscopic um, instruments. And when they did that, not only were they able to detect it unambiguously, they detected way more than they were expecting to. So that was the first kind of this is a really common thing in science. It's not so much I would call it an aha moment, but a oh wait, eureka, eureka. It's that's not a, a it's not a eureka moment. It's a what the fuck? That's kind of weird moment. Yeah, it's and like that's uh, re- it's not even that. It's oh shit, I messed up. Ex- at first, it's oh shit, you messed up, and then you do a year of experiments to make sure it wasn't you messing up, and that's exactly what they did next. Uh, was they re um, 
uh, not reanalyzed, but uh, ran all sorts of tests to make sure that their instruments were correct and had internal standards and all sorts of things like that. And so then from there, they went back to these geochemical models about what they know about what scientists know about the atmosphere of Venus and the geological processes of Venus, which is way outside my wheelhouse. So I can't really talk too much about that. It's out of my wheelhouse too. So yeah, but anyway, at the end of the day, the story was given the best geochemical predictions, the amount of phosphine that they detected in the atmosphere of Venus was orders of magnitude higher than mm-hmm. what would be predicted given just the known chemical processes that can make this. Okay, so that was the first chunk of information presented in the paper. It was that there was phosphine on Venus and there is way, way more of it than we would expect given how it is synthesized abiotically. So let's define the term abiotic versus biotic is basically a biotic process is mediated by biology. Cells and organisms do some kind of chemical process which transforms one chemical compound to another one. While an abiotic process would be a chemical transformation that happens in the absence of life. So let's, Mike, give us an example from your system of an abiotic chemical process. It's so, not your pump system, your actual system you like. Well, I, <laughs> I, I could do, you're, you're an I, expert I, on that one now. I'm an expert on the uh, current <laughs> one. So what I'm so all right, what I'm studying my quals on is the role microbes play in the deterioration of concrete. And so one abiotic um, sort of reaction that occurs is that as organisms, like microbial organisms, uh, convert. I don't want to get too in depth, but like as they convert convert methionine into cysteine, which are two very important amino acids, they release hydrogen sulfide from the cells. So as the hydrogen sulfide um, essentially like volatizes and moves out of the cell and into the uh, water and then into the atmosphere, it mixes with the oxygen in the atmosphere and then forms various polysulfates and thiosulfates and all these other sort of like different sulfurous compounds that are solely made on the basis that this hydrogen sulfide compound essentially hit into a molecule of oxygen and then formed. Exactly. So was that's that too kind of, in depth? Sorry, I've been like <laughs> no, that was perfect for I'm what, really what I really tried to like understand. Yeah. Okay. No, that was perfect for what I wanted because. There you can see, even though the cell was what made the hydrogen sulfide, the hydrogen sulfide interacting with the oxygen took place completely independently of any cell or any biology at all. So that's why we would call that an abiotic process in itself. So that's what they showed here is that no, these abiotic processes that we know about cannot account for the amount of phosphine that was observed in the clouds of Venus. Now, Here's where things got really interesting for them. Because oh, God, they went, Kevin, tell me. I love you. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, this, this was a beautiful scientific paper. Shots out to the, to the uh, authors. Okay. They then went and said, okay, well, what processes can uh, create that amount of phosphine? 
And one thing that stuck out was uh, phosphine at these kind of concentrations have been observed in anaerobic digesters. And an anaerobic digester basically means like at a, at a sewer plant where sewage is being treated. So you yeah. have raw sewage, and we all know what that's made out of, is filled with bacteria that are of a class that we call anaerobic. And all that means is they can live or they have to live without oxygen. If you put them somewhere where there is oxygen, they either, some of them can make do, but a lot of them will simply die in the presence of oxygen. So they are living deep in deep layers of this raw sewage and doing all sorts of biotic chemical transformations that we just don't see outside because there's oxygen everywhere, basically. And nowhere else there is any oxygen. (laughs) It's actually also referred to as sort of like the deep uh, biosphere. So there are areas where we just don't understand because we haven't gone there and we haven't sequenced enough or we don't, we haven't studied it enough. And it's a pain in the ass to study things that can't be in oxygen. We have to have these big, um, bags, like a a bag that contains an entire desk that you work at and you keep it, um, in anoxic conditions, meaning you just pump out all the oxygen and fill the sack with, uh, nitrogen, right? How does your guys' one work? Uh, we put, uh, nitrogen and, um, hydrogen. Okay, yeah, so you have to have these, you know, compressed gas cylinders of nitrogen and hydrogen, and you fill up this giant, like, that, what do you, I don't even remember, what's the actual name of it? Oh, gas chamber. A gas chamber, yeah. Okay. I keep going, <laughs> oh, because, so Duh. my lab does a lot of anaerobic work, but, like, I have done a very little amount. I'm going to be doing a lot more once I pass my qualifiers. That's what I just got to keep telling people. When I pass my qualifiers, uh, if. Yeah, but anyway, to speak to the, uh, <laughs> to speak to why we don't have as much information about that is number one, it's a pain in the ass to work with these things because you have to keep them away from oxygen or they will die. And as we know, oxygen is everywhere or otherwise we would die. So that's good. It's a, it's a give and take in that situation. Right. And the other thing is their sort of biochemistry, like the, the mechanisms they use to stay alive are very different from our own. And those that, are, that we are able to study easily. Absolutely. The microbes that survive with the Exactly. And because of those profound differences in biochemistry and physiology as a whole, um, that's what makes this paper so exciting is that where else is there very little to no oxygen mm-hmm. in the atmosphere of Venus. So all these kind of bits and pieces kind of add together to be, this is a somewhat promising signature potentially given all the evidence we have available to us right now that maybe there might be something like the microorganisms that we have observed on earth, which exist in um, uh, anoxic conditions without oxygen and produce phosphine gas at the levels observed or around the levels observed in the atmosphere of Venus by this group. So in a nutshell, is there life on Venus? We don't know. 
However, the data as it stands right now cannot rule out that there is not. Exactly. And that's that's the main gist of the paper. Which so I know Kevin, pretty, let's yeah. get some let's get hypothetical. Do you think there's life on Venus? I I I agree completely with what I just said about the main findings of the paper. I um, hate you. Do I, do I think? <laughs> is this a I think or do I want? This is like, just like, what do you think? This is an I think. Okay, I think right now, and this is just me being a, uh, this is just my, <laughs> um, what am I trying to say? my childhood optimism having been fully crushed by the PhD experience, I guess mm -hmm. is making me say, no, I think it's so much more likely that we're going to discover some new abiotic process hitherto unknown on Venus. In reality, that's also very fucking unlikely. It's also something that they know quite a bit about and like also completely out of my wheelhouse. I actually would be more, um, qualified, I guess, to say that, yes, this suggests there is life on Venus, because I know a little bit about biology. I know nothing mm -hmm. about um, atmospheric geochemistry. Right, right. I'd Do say... I, yeah, go ahead. So, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of in the same boat as you, and it, it really comes down to sort of for life you need to be able to capture energy from reactions. And unfortunately with Venus having mostly just sulfur and like a little bit of carbon on it, like there just doesn't seem to be enough reactions that allow life to survive in a way, you know, like stepping back from like, well, how does the cell make itself? How does it, you know, replicate itself? What does its membrane look like? How does it survive in this high sulfuric acid? environments you know just that's its own thing but like based on the chemical composition of the of venus there is a low probability that reactions occur that allow enough energy to be produced and potentially captured for life to exist given the reactions so I, we, we know about from earth given the reactions we know about exactly exactly yeah but like so i'm i'm in I'm in the boat of like, there's there's no fucking life there. There's no fucking life. I'm I can't say that as as um, definitively. I, I, I would not no be God. as definitive. <laughs> I'm definitive <laughs> as fuck. That'll be that'll go out on a way be even more definitive than that. Uh, yeah, there's no Earth life chemical reactions that kind of make sense given the Venusian atmospheric chemistry. I guess, but to my but, knowledge, which I don't know but, much about either one of those. But so, Kevin, right? Chemistry here will be the same chemistry somewhere else. Exactly. That's yes. that's like that's how physics works, uh, or like chem that's like there's laws. That's that why why we can occur. say yeah. anything about astronomy because we know that the laws of physics are the same throughout the universe. Yeah, exactly. Um, but. Yeah. 
I have a weird obsession with sulfur. I did my master's on it. I'm doing my qualifying exam on it. I don't even like sulfur that much. <laughs> Nobody likes sulfur. It smells like it, shit. It's, no, that is that is a very that that's wrong. That's most wrong? sulfur most sulfur compounds ha- do not have an odor. Oh, what? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, everybody sees sulfur and it's that yellow shit. You know, but most yeah. sulfur does not, most sulfur compounds do not actually have an odor. Yeah. Wow. Oh, damn. Okay. I learned something today. Yeah. Yeah, but I would and say. most of the sulfur oxidizing bacteria are large enough that you can see with your naked eye. And they're bacteria. What? Yeah. Have you ever heard okay. of Vegetilla? Yeah, I know. I'm remembering because they have those huge, like, inclusion bodies in them. Exactly. And they're like these giant worm Polysulfates, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, elemental sulfur globules. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) I I hate sulfur, but I could talk about it all fucking day. All fucking day. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be really interesting. And back on that, it's like the membranes could be completely different in a Venusian atmosphere. Like, all the it doesn't necessarily have to be DNA being the encoding polymer molecule. Maybe it's not even a polymeric molecule. Maybe it's fucking like, there's no, it would redefine what our definition of life is. Here's the thing. You know, what really got me into science? It was the Andromeda strain by Michael Creighton. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait, is the author Michael Creighton? Yeah, it is. It is. It is. I've read this book like I've read this book like 15 times. But <laughs> I it's such a good book and because it's a version of life isn't really life we know about it. It's kind of a crystal-like virus that eats things and then as it goes through the center of the, you know, the center of the structure, it creates a new version of itself. So it's like, it's still replicating, but it's not like replicating in the idea that we think of it as like, you know, genetic material is passed on. It's like a structural structure is passed on. Yeah. It's just interesting. Yeah. I'm sure if anything, it will be something like that. Something where we'll have to take another level of abstraction of what exactly is being self-replicated, if not mm-hmm. some biochemical, then some other, you know, replicatable form, be it at the physical, chemical, or biological scale. Yeah, it would fuck up everything, which yeah. would be really exciting. Exactly. And the number two really interesting thing, if this pans out, that basically says, okay, so we have... How many planets now in our solar system? I think up to 13 because there's planet planet X. Yeah. Right? Wait. I, I, I remember I can... reading something about that. I don't know where that all went. But it was like, not the planet X that was hypothesized like a while ago. This is like a new... Like, oh, unrelated. there's, there's eight. Just like, yeah. yes. Where did I get 13 from? from oh, wait, no. Other bodies that are in the solar Wow, we're not astronomers. Look at us. We, we are so not. <laughs> we're so not astronomers. But anyway, yeah. Eight, I thought it was eight because, yeah, we don't count Pluto, but Pluto is one of thousands of objects of that size at that kind of um, 
spot in the solar system. So we just say it's not a planet. It's a, oh my God, what it is. Kuiper belt object. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, because there's like thousands of them. So we couldn't name every single one and call them all planets because that would be confusing. Okay, so there's, okay, there's 13 planet, uh, planet-like objects in our solar system. Eight planets and then fifth or five dwarf planets. Okay. Yeah. yeah that Pluto's right. a dwarf planet. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so astronomy is so, so cool. I love astronomy too. I love astronomy. Astronomy is what got me into science, honestly, in the, in the first place. Well, but, astronomy wow, kind of got can... me into it, but it's like the life that's out there. I mean, yeah. there's life out there. There is a thousand percent life out there. Yes, and that's why this, the findings of this paper and what the potential implications could be is so cool. Because exactly. if already in this one solar system where we know this is just one of 200 billion-ish stars in our galaxy, mm-hmm. and then our galaxy is one of oh, fuck, 100 billion-ish in the observable universe numbers i'm just reaching way back i have large numbers just say large numbers extremely large numbers now we have unfathomable numbers unfathomable numbers so now what are we observing we observe that we have life on earth and then to find the next case of life if we only have to go one planet over that is suggestive that the universe is absolutely teeming. overflowing teeming. that's Everywhere. really key and that could be that could make or break like a huge like philosophical question about are we alone and how likely is it that we will interact with other beings across exactly. the universe if yeah. we find even the most humble microorganism in the venusian clouds that suggests that life is fucking everywhere because we found it on our planet and we find it on the next planet over, and perhaps so at some point, like they, uh, it, it could be shown that it was previously on Mars. We got three rocky planets in a row. Done deal. Perhaps well, there's every, also like, there's also the move, moons around uh, Saturn, which I oh yeah, the moons of Saturn. That's where yeah. I, I don't know. Over the past decade, I've been like, that's where if we're gonna find it, that's where we'll find it. And oh then, yeah, I'm already fucking convinced that you can't. Yeah. You would need to unconvince me. You would need to like show me there's no life there for me to. Not yeah, think but there is. it'd be the same kind of situation as in the clouds of Venus with extreme heat, but with extreme cold. No, like it's, membranes. it's no, no, because the because of the gravity of Jupiter, it's kind con- like it's lukewarm water. Oh fuck. What? Yeah, that's that's why there's geysers that are shooting out of it constantly. Oh, Enceladus. Oh, yeah, Enceladus. Enceladus. I was thinking oh, of Titan. We were thinking, Sorry. Oh, Sorry. Okay, we were thinking okay. different Saturnian satellites. Sorry. I thought everybody. Titan was. I thought Titan was covered with methane. It has yeah, lakes exactly. Of liquid and methane. Th- yeah, oh, okay. Liquid methane. Thing. That's why I was saying extreme cold because yeah. they have yeah. methane as a liquid. Exactly. Uh, as we know, on Earth, methane is definitely a gas. We've also wait. We should have a conversation about aliens. You want to do that next week? Uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, we'll just get on and just nerd out about ca- like, I'm with, space. I'm with it. Hell yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Yeah, well, before off. we get super off topic, um, I'm going to go. I'm probably going to 
and do a little more relaxing before the, the calm before the storm here. It's going to be fine. Honestly, like it's going to be fine. That's I, I, I'm most worried about one of my candidate members because he's not a part of ASU. Okay. So I just feel like, I don't know. Hmm. He could be a dick if he wanted to. Yeah, I guess so. You know, why would he though? Like I, I always yeah. think the worst of people. There's just not enough time. There's some people I should think the worst of. Okay. Not enough time um, to be a dick in this in this world. Exactly. All right. Loves and kisses everyone. Uh, loves yep. kisses condoms or prep. Uh, talk all to that. see you all next. Face, see you face in masks, two weeks. Gloves. Face mask up. Vote. Vote. Get your Are we gonna have a new shot. episode? Get your flu Eat shot. Out. Vote. Yep. BLM. I don't know. Is there anything else we should say? I think those are our plugs. We don't have any sponsors yet, so we're going to general. Total total (laughs) side note. Have you been – have you – how often do you go on Facebook? Uh, Too often. (laughs) Oh, I feel like I use Instagram. I don't go on my – like the social media as often as like I think I should or enough, but like I literally go on to Facebook – only to watch these people make reg uh i'm gonna pronounce this wrong rangoli which is just like the colorful um what like the colorful sand art oh yeah 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 Yeah, they just like keep showing up on my feed and i'm just like i love it it's it's calming it's calming it's so interesting ephemeral and yeah i get it I get it. If I was doing my comps again, I'd be on some shit. I don't remember. I don't even recall what I was doing to cope like that, but there was something similar. <laughs> I'm watching people make designs with uh, Okay. Everybody, <laughs> stay safe. Do your Wear best your to make this world a better place. And yep. bye. Bye. <laughs>